Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. Uh, the series of updates that I promised yesterday, um, we're going to start that this week, and I wanted to kick off with one that's near and dear to my heart because I've been battling it for so long that I think I'm an expert on it. However, I'm sure there's other stuff that is around it that I'm not even aware of, but it's this concept of slippage. And just to kind of caveat for some people out there, if you've only ever traded on, say, Gate.io or Coinbase or anything else, you don't know what I'm talking about with slippage. However, there are going to come a point in certain diverse portfolios where you have to trade on a DEX, you know, like a Uniswap, PancakeSwap, ShibaSwap. So you're going to have to deal with it at some point when you trade those tokens. If you're the kind of person who only deals with Bitcoin and Ethereum and Cardano and Solana and Compound and the mainstream tokens that are already past the point of making anybody any money, then that's fine. Um, you would not ever fall into this category, but most people who want a diverse portfolio, you're going to be stuck, especially if you're an early adopter, you're going to be stuck going to the decks first in order to understand how to buy the token because they only put the liquidity there for some of these lesser known tokens. So I want to talk about slippage because it applies on those DEXs so that you can understand what it is, what it means, why it exists, and how you can deal with it. Now, let me just define slippage first, and then I'll talk about the concepts of what it's doing in the DEXs. Slippage is basically saying to the DEX, listen, I understand that you're going to have a hard time estimating the gas for this thing. I understand you're going to have a hard time estimating the price because it keeps moving. It's a very volatile asset. I understand that you know things happen with the network and all this, and so I'm willing to sacrifice X percentage of whatever in order to just get the sale done. And there's a similar concept, actually, in, I want to say it's, it's actually many of them, but Gate.io has it, Indoex has it, but if you look in the cell and you do a limit order, so if you do no limit orders and you're on the exchange, and you look in the cell and you hit the drop down next to the amount, it'll say whatever the price was minus uh, 1%. So when you're trying to sell, if, you're, if your motivation is to just get it sold, you can say, okay, minus 1%. So drop the price just a little bit to get this thing going because there just happened not to be enough buyers at the rate that you wanted. And so you want to try to entice people to buy in. That's how you would do that. Um, it's a very similar concept in telling the decks, look, I understand all these factors are in play, and so it's hard to fixate a price because at the end of the day, even the DEX is trying to get a price, a fair market price for the token in question. But sometimes because of what's happening in the volatility of the token, it's just not easy to do it. And then, of course, gas price moves all the time. And when I say gas price, I'm also encapsulating other types of, um, quote, gas. So when you do Binance, it's basically... Um, equivalent of gas, but it's in BNB and it's a lot lower. But the net effect of that is that by and large on the Binance side, you're going to have to do the slippage almost every time you trade simply because there are less miners. There's not as much uh, volume and velocity going on the Binance side, which is ironic because the Binance side is predominantly your international traders. It doesn't mean U.S. can't do it, but as I've talked about in previous episodes, it's challenging at best. So once you're trying to get into trading this token, the slippage is going to come into play if it's one of those tokens that does have volatility and, of course, gas fees, what it is. Now, on the Ethereum side, 
it also comes into play, but less so. So you can arguably leave it at 5%, say, and you'll be fine. Most common on, say, something um, of a lesser bit like a Cardano, if you were ever going to a DEX for it for whatever reason, you could go down to like 1% because it's not as volatile. Or, say, Doge. Doge is a good one. Shiv is another good one. You could go down to like 1% because it's not going to change that much. The gas will change, but... The slippage, because of how much inventory and how many miners there are on the network, you're less worried, per se, about that shift, and so your slippage doesn't need to be that high. Now, what people don't realize, though, about slippage is that slippage also encompasses more factors as to when and why you have to do it. So what's currently popular with newer tokens, all of the gimmicks I've been discussing over various podcast episodes, so you talk about the sell fees and buy fees, that are applied against people to disincentivize them from selling or to stop buying activity for whatever reason you'd want to do that, uh, as well as the reflections and all these different things. So what happens is, essentially with the slippage, they're passing that back to you, meaning that if it's so high that they're not able to estimate how much it's going to cost, I'm talking about the decks, then you may have to adjust the slippage to account for it. And the Token sites will tell you, okay, set your slippage to 12%. They're doing that because they might have like a 10% fee or an 8% fee applied against all trades. And so they're trying to make sure that your transaction goes through. And in order to do that, if you're a first-time buy, you may have to do the slippage and just lose out. It seems like it's unfair, but they're doing that across to everybody. So that's another reason that slippage comes into play is to account for the various fees and things that they're baking into the price of the token when you buy it to make sure that it's equivalent for everybody and to make sure that you can do the transactions when you need to, you have to adjust slippage in order to account for that excess. So that's another one. However, on the more nefarious side, slippage also comes into play in situations where it's getting close to or has already lost its liquidity. So there's two parts of this one. If you set slippage, so right now, let's take PancakeSwap. I'll pick on it. If you set slippage, the highest you can set it is 49.99%, unless if you remove the barriers um, that are built in. But if you set it to the highest 49.99 safe threshold and you still can't sell it, it's possible that liquidity is just too low in order for you to make the transaction. It doesn't mean that liquidity is gone. It means that it's too low. And when liquidity is too low, you're not able to access the liquidity or pair in order to make the transaction happen. Basically, nobody's made any liquidity available. And that should concern you. Because if you ever get situations where the liquidity constantly runs low on a token, it might indicate a potential scam or rug pull either has happened or is coming up. The other half of this, though, is that if... Let's say the token, certain tokens can build the contract in a way that allows the people who are in control in the code, they can adjust the actual amounts of the fees and they can set a flag that says basically trading is halted. Now, certain, there are certain good times you want to do that and there are certain non-good times you want to do that. A good time when you might want to stop trades is when you see there's an issue in the contract that is causing a liquidity problem, like basically your liquidity is going to zero faster than you anticipated based on the pricing and the rate and the inventory that you chose. And so it was just a bad decision. So you're stopping trading because you don't want people to lose. However, 
The downside is that anybody who has already bought in, they're not going to be able to sell. So when that happens, you're basically stuck with a useless asset that you can't get rid of. And the, the sad irony of this is later that token might, in five years, that token might skyrocket in value and then you could cash it out. But if you removed it from your wallet because you were frustrated, you'd never know. The other half on that liquidity piece, so you're getting into this token and you're not able to sell, you're not able to do anything with it, they've locked it out, is because of what's called the honeypot. I talked about the honeypotcontract.com. The honeypot, honeypot is a conceptual thing that could also happen where once it gets to a certain level of popularity, they completely lock out the ability to sell at all. The problem is that the DEXs don't tell you that that's the reason you can't sell. They'll just say, well, just slippage. Really, this is a problem the DEXs should address to where the interface says, the contract has precluded you from making this transaction. Contact the contract owners so that you can get it addressed. And, and honestly, there should be another way for people to be able to sell even outside of the contract in the situation where this has happened because ultimately what that's saying is that you don't have any ownership of the tokens because they're allowed to do that and you wouldn't know it. There's no way to know that that's there unless you did a token scan or some other evaluation of the script that would flag and then you have to know what you were looking for that tells you, hey, there's a flag in here that lets the owner say that sales are shut off. If you could obviously know it at the DEX level, because it's all public code, so it's not like they can't do it. Um, this may be something openly for Cytomask, like something that would say, hey, if you want to transact this token, I want you to be aware that this developer has put a flag in here that lets it lock it down. And so if you choose to buy this, you might get locked out at some future point. Because that awareness, I talked about it on a previous update, building it into the technology to help users makes it easier for the casual trader to adopt cryptocurrency and makes it more likely to maintain mainstream momentum. And if we don't do that, what's going to happen is you're going to turn people off because they keep getting scammed or whatever. Obviously, if they're smart enough to only do a little bit of money here and there, it's not a problem. But I also talked about the various issues trying to get Binance, BNB, and all these other things like today. I completely ran out of Binance BNB because I was trying to trade it to something else. And then, of course, you can't sell anything else without at least some BNB on record. So now I've got tons of money sitting there. I cannot do anything with because I don't have the source currency. And there's not a service that's willing or able to use the source currency. So that's an issue where it's the same thing. You get stuck in a groove and then you have to kind of figure out some way around it. And everybody's like, well, you use a credit card. Do, do, do. It's not that simple. I guarantee and assure you it's not. So I want in the interfaces for these various wallets and these various things, tell the user, analyze the bit, tell the developer, analyze the code, find these known flags, and just tell the user that, hey, this is here, and this is what it means to you, and this is what you should watch out for. Let's stop assuming what we are assuming currently. The last thing I want to talk about on slippage, and it has to do, it's similar to the honeypot, but not quite. So... When you run into a situation where um, I ran the other day, the slippage amount is also, there's a, if you look at the bottom, there's a fee that is applied against you, and it's called um, um, liquidity fee. And what that's doing is it's adding the money into the liquidity to help the liquidity. So it's basically a fee that's charged to keep the liquidity pool up and up to date. There's also a price impact. If you look in there, 
price impact is going to be higher based on what the liquidity is. So you can think of it as if you've ever used Uber, similar to surge pricing, meaning that, hey, we're running low, and so as a result, it's going to be a very expensive trade for you to do this because we're running low. Sometimes you just got to cash out it is what it is. If you can't, if you if you can hold just a little bit, spelled H-O-D-L, you might have a better point of it, but sometimes you have emergency situations, and we know that. But it's going to behoove you to kind of just wait and hold, or the other thing is if there's a different DEX that you can go to, consider that. The best option is if it's on an exchange rather than a DEX, do that. So if it's... If you do the research, you'd have to look at, you know, CoinMarketCap or CoinGecko and just, or the site of the token and just see if they're listed on, you know, a gate.io or a Hotbit or an LBank or XT or something where you can exchange it. That will let you save the gas fees and you're not going to have to worry about slippage to a significant degree. You may have to do the, you know, plus one, minus one, but that's way better than having to set slippage to 12% because you're buying it from a DEX. The unfortunate truth is that many of these tokens, especially the more volatile ones, are going to only be on the decks because they cannot build up enough holder and enough market cap in order to get listed on the exchange. So there are some that I'm very impressed have gotten on the exchange quick, like Rich Quack got on um, Gate.io, and I was very impressed that they were able to do that. So some of them are able to buck the trend, but many of them struggle. Uh, Cody, Cody's a good example. Cody has a decent number of holders. Cody has a decent market cap, but it's not listed anywhere. So I think there's one obscure exchange it's listed on. So you, you're looking for that as well if you're trying to just get out of the token. See if there's a way that you can just get into the exchange and then do it that way. Note that when you send tokens anywhere, ironically, you're not having to deal with slippage. You are charged gas, but slippage doesn't come into play. And you're like, well, why does that... Why? Why? That's because... The quote, there is no quote, there's no sale happening. The gas is moving, but the level of gas movement usually is so marginal and so incremental that it is not going to have an impact on the ability to estimate the cost. So you're not dealing with slippage to send, you're only dealing with slippage to sell or to buy. More commonly, it is to sell. Buying will have a slippage. I'm not saying it won't. I'm saying that sell is where you see it the worst. Like you can do a buy and set it to 12% and forget it on the pancake swap. But when you go to sell it, it's this whole dog and pony show of playing with the slippage to try to get it to go. And you start at 1%, and that's certainly not going to work if it's a volatile. And then you go to 5 and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Then you go to 10 and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Because your goal is to make sure that number is as low as possible. Because, again, slippage is what you're going to lose in order to make the trade happen and so you want that number to be as low as possible not as high as possible so you're going to be playing with that number in order to get the right balance and once you get the right balance that could be 30 percent for all we know yes you're losing 30 percent of what you would have gotten which is affecting your gains it's because of the transaction which is usually a sell but in a buy you're getting less than what you wanted so your money's not going as far. So it's basically the same thing as if the price was higher than what you're trying to buy in at. So that's slippage in a nutshell. Do some research, read up about it. But at a high level, it is some sort of impact that is affecting your ability to buy or sell one of these tokens. It mostly applies in the volatile tokens. And depending on that token, the impact might be significant, meaning 
you have to bump it up to like 40% in some cases, and it might be small in other cases where you can leave it at five. It just depends. Research it, read up on it, make sure you understand it in case you ever have to go into a deck, you'll need to know.